1: I want you to meet the chief theater critic for the New York Times, Jesse Green. And Jesse has and is having an amazing career. And he's gonna give us a look at what's coming in to the Broadway Times and how you should start getting your tickets now. So Jesse, Broadway's been having a hard time, like even the restaurant industry too. Are you optimistic at this point?
0: I'm fairly optimistic. Last year was a transitional year. Uh, You know, the year before had been a complete disaster. There was uh, 15 months during which Broadway theaters and all theaters were dark with nothing happening and everything moved online. And last season, we started to move out of that in a kind of weird and intermittent and honestly, a little bit chaotic way. The shows had to cancel constantly. People were getting sick. People backstage, uh, there weren't enough people to cover roles. It was very, very difficult. Seems to be a little more orderly. And this fall has a really interesting slate on Broadway and off-Broadway of uh, of shows of all different kinds to appeal to, I think, a lot of different people.
1: Of course. And we just have to get them up and going. Yeah, exactly. and. I think people have gone the other way, too used to sitting on the couch and letting things happen in their living rooms.
0: Well, that's right, Joan. And there is some concern among the producers that they won't be able to attract audiences even to material that they normally would like. But, uh, you know, the evidence from the end of the previous season, this past spring, is that the crowd-pleasing shows and the shows that get great reviews are managing to fill up so there there is hope
1: i'm with you i certainly do now if you're looking at what you want to get tickets for and this is the time when we always get phone calls
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: like for restaurant reservations for theater the movies seem to be losing out a little bit you know in terms of people wanting to go with it. i miss movie theaters I wish Mm. we had those back too. But tell me, if you were going to have your family come in or friends go to buy tickets, what would you be looking at now?
0: Well, that's the thing, isn't it, Joan? I mean, we have family, we have friends, we have aunts who need one kind of thing. We have uh, young friends who need another kind of thing. And Uh one of the things I love about this season, the Broadway season, looking at it, is that there is a variety. So we range from, for instance, you know, what is promising to be a really big old fashioned, you know, story musical based on uh, the great movie, Some Like It Hot, with a score by the people who gave us uh, Hairspray. And uh, I think surely that's a big, exciting one that you would would think of for your out of town visitors. Uh, But on the other end of the musical scale, you have uh, a small and delicate and beautiful show. Usually each season has wheat and there's enough market and uh, prestige to get that going. I saw this one off Broadway. It's called Kimberly Akimbo. It stars Victoria Clark and it's just uh, delicious. So there's, there's a wide range there. There's a a production, a revival of 1776 yeah. with an all female cast So in terms of musicals, it's all over the place. There's a a Korean pop music musical. There's uh, Almost Famous, based on the Cameron Crowe movie. You know, a a lot of really interesting stuff. But the plays are really quite a nice variety of um, fun and thoughtful, which is what I like to see uh, in a season, both. I I don't know about you, Joan. I mean, I like seeing a lot of different kinds of things. I don't want to see just one thing.
1: No, that's right. But we're lucky because we go to theater all the time, yes. and many people come into the city, or they bring their families in, and it's a once or twice a year. I have gotten a lot of calls about death of a salesman at the Hudson.
0: Yes, well, death and- of a salesman, obviously one of the great American plays, but with a, an a you know a really. Relevant twist, I think, which is that it's a, an all black cast led by the great Sharon D. Clark as Linda Lohman and Wendell Pierce as Willie Lohman and with Andre de Shields uh, in, in the cast as well. And uh, pr- obviously approved by the Miller estate. Uh, I, I think I haven't seen it yet. It was done in London. It was quite, quite a big success there. But I think you can imagine the ways in which the themes of, uh, you know, the feeling betrayed by your country might play out very well with a black cast. And I, I'm looking forward to that, as I am to a revival of The, the Piano Lesson by August yeah. Wilson with Samuel Jackson and Danielle Brooks in it. Um, and among other revivals, uh, there's uh, Between Riverside and Crazy, the Stephen abdel play directed by Austin Pendleton, which won the Pulitzer a number of years ago. But there's also a lot of new plays. Uh, including a new play by one of our greatest living playwrights who has said that this may be his last play, Tom Stoppard. And that play is called Leopoldstadt. And that is opening uh, soonest. That's the first of the big Broadway openings. Uh, Previews begin September 14th. And it's it's a really interesting story about Jewish life in early 20th century Vienna based on his late-in-life discovery that he himself was Jewish. He did not know this. It was kept from him. Uh, And so to what degree it's biographical, autobiographical, I'm not sure, but, you know, a stop art play on that subject has got to be of great interest.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious, Jesse, how did you grow up to be Jesse Green theater critic? (laughs) Well, the Jesse Green
0: was my parents' doing. (laughs) Um, they, they gave me both my names. Uh, and I was always, they tell me that I was always highly critical. So, you know, that makes sense. I, I sort of imagined myself being a judge. I liked deciding arguments and also imposing my will. Uh, as it turns <laughs> out being a theater critic, isn't really just that. And it was Joan, honestly, it's a too long a story, but it was mostly an accident. I, Set out to be in the theater uh, and, and I'd worked in the theater uh, in the 80s uh, on the music side of Broadway shows. And then um, my, my degree was in English. So I was writing and then I became a journalist. And, you know, one day an editor said, I, I need somebody to cover uh, the theater reviews for a few months while someone's on leave. Will you do it? And I said, no. And I hate I hate (laughs) writing reviews. And he said, well, I need you to do it. So you're doing it. And that was nine years ago. And that's how I started being a critic. I don't really know how the rest happened. But, you know, I'd had a long, long time learning how to how to write. And that's basically what it is. It's it's writing about your own response to what you see. Uh, You know, you don't you don't need to agree with everyone. They just need to know who you are and then they can make up their own mind. Based on knowing well, he liked that and I hated that, or he right. he hated that and I loved it, and that's that's how I grew up reading reviews. I I knew what I would like based on how I knew the reviewers,
1: which is always. I mean, and everyone would talk about the reviewers. too. did you read what? And exactly, what did he say? And people, <laughs> I did that even though doing I, that.
0: I I didn't even grow up in New York, and somehow that was part of my family discussion. And, you know, we were all interested in theater and got the New York magazines and newspapers. So it, it's, it's a great service that these publications do. And I will say not to toot my own horn, but criticism it isn't just for the people who are choosing which ticket to buy. It's for people who will never be able to buy that ticket or, or won't or will only be able to do it once a year when they visit New York. It's really about understanding our culture, and uh, giving examples of it and thinking about what these works, many of them very serious works, even if they have comical or musical overtones, uh, about our lives. And uh, for me, as a theater nut growing up, that was a wonderful thing. I, I read Brendan Gill and I, I read Clive Barnes and, and all those people. And uh, it, it, I guess somewhere I stored that and it came up.
1: Yeah. And they became members of the family, too. you'd hear right. people say right uh, i'm Clive loved blank like Clive was yeah. their uncle
0: <laughs> exactly exactly or or uh oh she didn't uh, you know uh, Edith Oliver she didn't like that play, but then i don't like her i don't like her taste so yeah exactly it was uh it was making the larger world of culture something that was part of your intimate and personal world. And I I love that about it. And it's something I I miss, you know, in our current situation where there just aren't a lot of critics left uh, who have professional jobs. Uh, A lot of it has moved online and into Twitter and uh, that's all fine. But I'd like to see more critics and a greater variety of critics than we currently have.
1: Yeah, I'm absolutely with you. I think it's so important. It's an entire part of culture, and we can't let it fall by the wayside. Now, you also write books, and, you, you know, it's more than theater, although theater can take up, what, 90% of your time in the season. <laughs> oh, no. But you have uh, well, a new and, book out.
0: Yes, and it's about theater, too, and uh, in part. Uh, I am the co-author of uh, a book called Shy, the alarmingly outspoken memoirs of Mary Rogers. Many of you may know Mary Rogers as the daughter of Richard Rogers. You may know her as the composer of Once Upon a Mattress, a really fine theater composer in her own right. Later, she changed careers and wrote books for young adults, including the Freaky Friday series, which were, you know, tremendously culturally big. And later, she was the chairman of the Juilliard School for many years. So she she had an amazing life right at the center of the theatrical uh, and, and uh, culture of New York in the second half of the 20th century. And I spent a couple years with her before she died, listening to everything she remembered, which was nearly everything, being shocked by it. And when I got my jaw off the ground, I started to write it. That's when she died. But I I wrote the book after her death based entirely on... Uh, our conversations and i have to tell you it's doing really well but i i just think it's hilarious and moving
1: that sounds really good have you seen the neil diamond musical or beautiful noise
0: i haven't it, it had a tryout in boston uh and uh got some nice reviews i'm really looking forward to it you know a lot of shows most shows that come in, I I have not seen before, uh, but some of them have appeared off Broadway, or maybe I happen to be out of town when they were trying out somewhere. But that's it's like a you know a present under a tree or or something. Just what is this thing going to be? You read about it. You you read the critics out of town. You uh, read the publicity about what they're trying to do, and then you wait. And that's that's certainly one. If you like Neil Diamond, for instance. Uh, it's it's pretty much the only jukebox musical this fall. Usually we have a bunch of them, but uh, uh, this is the only traditional jukebox musical telling the story of the of the creator of the songs, Neil Neil Diamond, and it stars the great Will Swenson. So uh, I, I'm ex- I'm expecting it to be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, and then I was curious about Audra McDonald starring in Ohio State Murders.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I should have pointed that out early that, that that's an interesting play in uh, both for what it is and that it's appearing on Broadway. It's, it was written in 1992. And like a lot of plays by, you know, our, our great black playwrights, it never got to Broadway in its time. And i think we're seeing a, re- a revision of that uh, these years uh last year uh there, there was a really wonderful production of of a play like that 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 starred la Chance. and this year we have this amazing difficult play by adrian kennedy from 1992 about a a writer a journalist who returns to her alma mater uh ohio state to talk about uh the destructive power of racism And then something happens while she's there. I'm not going to give it away. And having Audra McDonald star in it, you know, just makes it a must-see play for the fall. And I also want to say that the theater that she's doing it in used to be called, uh, I don't know, for maybe 80 years, the Court Theater. Uh, It's kind of a mess of a theater by, you know, recently. They've completely redone it and renamed it now the James Earl Jones Theater, which is thrilling Mm -hmm. in itself.
1: It is. And I mean, there's so much. There's Camelot coming back again. Well, yes, that won't be until
0: April. That won't be till April. Uh, And there's lots of it's still so far away that there's uh, a lot of rumors going on about who who's going to be starring in it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I cannot endorse this rumor. It doesn't seem likely to me. But uh, in a reading of the musical or a workshop of the musical at some point, the uh, leading role is played by Lin-Manuel Miranda. I, I, for one, would love to see that, but we'll, we'll see what happens. That'll be at Lincoln right. Center Theater in April. Uh, we also have a, you know, if we're talking about the spring, we have a Sweeney Todd revival coming up starring Josh Groban, who is, you know, obviously someone who can sing that part, and Anna Lee Ashford, who's a terrific comic actress, and I'm really looking forward to that. They promise a full orchestra. Which we rarely get anymore and will be thrilling and uh and a new stage version of the musical new york new york the um yeah, the film musical is supposedly coming A uh, new candor and Ebb musical long after Ebb has died, but candor's still hard at work in his mid nineties
1: fantastic yeah I I, do you, yeah, Jesse, do you ever do two shows a day, or that's too much? <laughs>
0: Well, I have done it, but it it is, like you say, Joan, it, it really is too much, especially if I have to write about them because, you know, I try to keep each show separate uh, and write about them before I have to see the next one, but it doesn't always work, and it can get a little exhausting and confusing. There are parts of the season, particularly October and April, when everything is opening, and I some, sometimes can't avoid seeing two shows in one day, but I, I really... Honestly, I try to keep it to four in a week at 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 a maximum yeah, if I can. It's already a lot uh, because I'm not just seeing them I'm thinking about them and uh, you know it, it takes a long time to think.
1: No, and it takes a long time to write too.
0: Yes. So uh, as you know, um so but I'm I'm just thrilled at the variety. I haven't even talked about off Broadway but there's there's just so much for different different tastes. There's going to be a revival this fall of Merrily Lee Roll Along at uh, the New York Theatre Workshop starring Daniel Radcliffe, for instance, um, and a revival of the great Adam Gettle musical. Adam Gettle is Mary Rogers' son, and he wrote Mm -hmm. the musical Floyd Collins, which is uh, having a revival. And uh, there's a new David Hare play. There's a, a revival at the public of A Raisin in the Sun. All kinds of great stuff off Broadway.
1: Right. And theater is alive and well and we live in the greatest city in the world it's our obligation to support it because it's the reason people come here from all over the world is to go to 42nd street or in that neighborhood and drink in all the excitement thank you jesse i look forward to talking to you again thank you joan you'll come visit us with your new book
0: okay thanks